The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further, allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the discussion today. We're going to be talking about the reemergence of the science of psychedelics and plant medicine and how this returned to taking a look at research that was started in the 50s and 60s with people like Ram Dass, Timothy Leary, and others has really grown into a business of retreat centers and shamans and other people offering psychedelic healing experiences. So there's been a lot of talk about this recently. It's fascinating. I just finished this book. It's been out for a while, this New York Times bestseller by Michael Pollan, How to Change Your Mind, The New Science of Psychedelics and What It Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. Really interesting stuff. So I hope you get a chance to check that out. But there's a lot of reemergence and and taking another look at this research that was really done years ago and had a lot of success. And now people are taking another look in a different way at how this can really be beneficial to people. So psychedelic retreats in countries like Costa Rica and Jamaica, it's, it's really taken off over the past couple of years. There's also a whole network of people in the United States um, that are shamans, you know, that are talking about therapy and helping people and contacting people over social networks. And it's really become widespread. Uh, This is really uh, taking off, you know, and especially over the pandemic when people had two years to reassess and take a look at their lives and see, you know, Hey, I want to make some changes. So it's a growing thing and there's a lot of interest and it's being wrapped up into the global wellness industry it's set to reach 1.2 trillion by 2027, according to a report by Global Industry Analyst of, you know, money that is going into some of these retreats. People are spending money on this. You know, they're really looking for information. So we're going to delve into it. And I'm excited to welcome my guest today to talk about this and how these ancient teachings, like really the use of what we call psychedelics, but really a lot of times is plant medicine um, ayahuasca, uh, cannabis as well. I mean, this goes back eons, you know, into our history. Today, my guest, Robin Flynn, is a retreat leader, a holistic mentor, a guide, and a teacher. And along with her husband, Darcy Copas, they specialize in uh, teaching the sacred arts and spiritual technology of the Pachacuti Mesa. And their work is based on 
an application of cross-cultural shamanism. And they work to really create containers that empower people and really empower people to heal. And they are based in Columbia, British Columbia, Canada. What am I saying? Columbia, the country, British Columbia in Canada as part of the Star River Sanctuary, which if you go online to starriversanctuary.com, it looks unbelievably idyllic. I would love to go there and visit. It's amazing. So Robin, welcome to the show. There's so much to cover. And I was I was trying to touch on a little bit of that in the introduction, but there's so much that I'm excited to talk to you about today. So thanks for, for joining me. Uh, thank you so much, Diane. What an honor to be on this show with you. And hello to all the people listening in. Well, people are really interested in this. There's been so much going on with this work, you know, starting back in like the 50s and 60s, and then people rediscovering it today. And there's been some amazing healing stories um, that go along with it. But I wanted to get your take on this because there's there's some controversy too. You know, there's there's light and dark and everything. So we want to kind of cover all, all the bases. So reading over your information and, and your background personally, like it's really clear that you have a deep reverence for the indigenous origins of this work. Like you really have a respect for it. So tell me how you came to to study this, you know, to study the different indigenous spiritual practices that you draw from. Yeah, well, I'm I'm so happy to share that with you. And you know, for me, I was actually in a master's program, uh, getting a master's in sustainable communities. And at the same time, I was in a chronic illness that wasn't diagnosable, let alone treatable by allopathic perspectives. And I'd been searching and searching and realized that not only was I in a group of people studying how to create sustainable communities, sustainable culture, but I and everybody else in the circle was was really unwell. It's like we were trying to fix a solution or create a, you know, find the solution from within and saturated within the malaise of the unwellness. And I had heard at that time, this was well over, you know, I didn't go to Peru for the first time. It was 16 years ago. So this was, you know, 18 years ago. And there was, nobody had heard about ayahuasca at that point. Nobody had heard about these medicines, except for perhaps the Native American church ceremonies, which I had no access to. And through a series of incredible synchronicities, which would be a story for a very own podcast, because it's there's just so much magic that was afoot in this journey for me, I was connected uh, with my partner, who's now my husband, and able to do my field work for my master's thesis in Peru. And I believe I was able to get the college to the university to agree to it as I sh- sculpted it around ecotourism, which it is. <laughs> However, you know, that got me the the funding and the ability to go to Peru and work luckily with very, very high integrity, reputable human beings, because it is a mixed bag out there. And, you know, luckily I had enough common sense then that I didn't just go to anybody being a young woman. Um, but now it's even more important to really, you know, practice discernment and just common sense, you know, practical assessment and finding somebody that you want to work with. And, 
you know, through the 20 ceremonies that I participated in in my first journey to Peru, both with ayahuasca, which contains another plant named Chakruna, and the lineage in the jungle we were working with also had other tree barks that they added into the brew. It was a very, very powerful cleansing, healing um, journey. And then also with the sacred plant medicine, San Pedro or Washuma, which is, you know, for the most part, keeps itself very much on the down low, but to me is the most profound plant medicine that I've ever worked with and the plant that I am a devotee of. It's just awesome. And so for me, that journey began there and really not going so much believing it even to be possible to heal because I'd been searching for the magic pill for so long. And I'd seen well over 30 different doctors, nurse practitioners, done all the tests and everything I could up north and made no breakthrough. And, and so what was, was the main complaint? I just wanted to find mm-hmm. out what, what you really felt like you were suffering from. Was it yeah. physical or more like an emotional or like a depression type yeah, of thing? Yeah, that's such a great question. Uh, for me, it was very physical. I had a bleeding disorder where I, had, I menstruated for nine years. Nine years. And that's Nonstop. It. Yeah, like I had, I would have like a month on, a week off. I had these huge bleeding cycles. And, you know, for a young woman that started at 14, um, it was really outside of any sort of textbook. I couldn't even find another, you know, case study like that. However, since that time, I've met quite a few other women, usually more towards menopause. Uh, But that level of imbalance and then just the sheer fear of that much bleeding um, really, I mean, the gift was it helped me to stay awake at a young age. You know, when all my other friends were out doing wild young person, I did some wild stuff for sure. But like I was, you know, really needing to reconcile with the very, you know, the likelihood of not making it past 30. Like I couldn't imagine myself continuing at that level of blood loss and making it very long. And what I found later in, in especially my thesis, my research, um, my excuse me, my master's thesis research is that, you know, across the board, ever like, you know, there's such an incredible increase in the quality of life after working with these plant medicines. However, you know, that physical healing, which for me happened actually with the plant medicines, my body was transformed from the genetics up. I went and then to Peru and I left with a new body. It was, you know, miraculous. However, I'd been laying the groundwork for a long time. And what I see over and over is that the sacred plant medicines, they, if it's done in an an amazing set and setting where the, you know, you feel held, you feel cared for, you know, for me, I felt, I felt fully safe um, with the people I was with. I felt like I could be at my ver- my most vulnerable and they held that vulnerability as sacred. And that's what you want to look for with anybody you're working with, that they understand what it's like to be that vulnerable and they hold you with that as sacred and with tenderness. And I, I, I found that luckily. Um, and for me, I, you know, began this next phase of my learning uh, of being a student of the plant medicines 
and the different wisdom keepers and elders from North and South America um, because I never found anything that had this level of efficacy. And to me, it was like at that point, I was like, okay, I've got my master's degree. I don't know how I'm going to get a job with that. It's like right, right before 2008. I'm like, well, you know, nobody's hiring for people who can speak about sustainable communities. But nonetheless, I realized that the way I'd been learning and our Western way of learning, I actually had to really humble myself because a path of learning with the plants is one of experiential gnosis. It's about like sitting in ceremony after ceremony and observing how the elders work with people, how they tend and care. There's very little like spoken instruction. It's much more based on, you know, those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, as the ancient saying goes. Uh, so I, I hope I, I, I kind of went on a tangential journey there. I hope I answered your question or sparked a new one. <laughs> right, right. Well, it's so you went to study, you know, sustainable communities, but then were opened up to this whole other world, right? And were able to experience this incredible healing for yourself. And this was like back around 2008, right? So you're out, you've got your degree, you know, looking around. Of course, like you said, everything in 2008 was, you know, not great. The job market certainly wasn't. So how did you make that step to, you know, kind of wanting to continue to, to study the results that you got from your own healing. And then you just kind of went from there. And what, like, what was the next step? Human design is a system that offers profound insights into your inner self and how you interact with the world around you. Quantum human design takes that process one step further allowing you to become the architect of your own reality. Join Dr. Karen Curry for Elevating Your Life Script, a weekend workshop where you transform your life by crafting intentional narratives, May 24th through 26th at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Yeah, well, you know, the when I was in Peru, I was doing my, my field work there. And, and that opened some doors to learning. Uh, one of the things with the lineage that we work within was our first mentor, Don Howard Lawler. He's now passed. He had a center called Spirit Quest, and he was both a Wachumero as well as an iOS girl. And he, you know, he very much saw himself not as the healer, but more as the revealer. And so his path, uh, uh, you know, working with him was very much like, hey, I kept waiting for him to like care about my story 
or, you know, give me some personal time or the things I was kind of like looking for. Uh, but actually he was, he didn't do that. Instead, he said, here you are now, now see how you engage, see how this works for you. He taught us the basics of the, the sacred healing altar of Washuma Kurundurismo. And through his blessing and then guidance, we then, my husband and I then began a path of uh, individual study with, especially with Shuma, that then continued for five years. And we had different mentorship, mentors and, and oversight in that time. But more the, ta- the path that he laid before us was like, if you actually want to pursue this, you've got to get into the driver's seat. The ancestors, the lineage will have your back. However, you know, this this way is really up to you. And so that's a bit of a different path than, say, people who, you know, have um, become immersed in ayahuasca lineages in the jungle, which I definitely feel like anybody who's working with that medicine it's really, you know, it is it is a very complex spirit and it's a very complex spiritual reality. Each one of these plants is an entire dimension and realm of experience that you can open to. It's it's hard to really give words to something that once you have the experience, you're like, oh, okay, this is this is actually almost as though an entirely different dimension or reality overlays onto this reality. And ayahuasca is incredibly complex uh, and very, um, very, very light and very, very dark. All, you know, it's kind of, it's like the Burning Man Festival. It's got it all. The lightest of the light, the darkest of the dark, or, you know, give New York City, you find, you find the whole spectrum there. Um, and with that, the training needs to be different. And if somebody is going to pursue training in that way, it's not a couple ceremonies. It's a you know a few years of immersion. Now Don Howard gave us the tools and the keys to begin that process, and then what it looked like was hundreds of ceremonies, um, one cere- one to two ceremonies a week for years. We dedicated that time and that space, and really a process of what I would call you know purification, and then like tempering. You know, we we have to be te- our our ego structures and all those shadowy bits which of course we're every day we're working with. It's not like you ever escape your shadow, but there's a tempering. And that's what traditional apprenticeship is. Is how to stay tempered in the fire of transformation and do our own work enough that we start to turn that arc of healing. And I see this over and over because most of our, our clients are actually already counselors, healers, therapists, nurses, doctors. Darcy and I have the great fortune of, you know, being in service to the healers. And so for almost everybody on the path of healing, um, there's an arc to it. And for us, that initial five years was really the arc of coming into enough personal healing that eventually the only way to keep learning was to begin to share. And so that is, you know, that arc. And then we were able to have elders, um, which is so rare in our culture, have a group of eight elders where we are in British Columbia who really 
said that they would hold they would they would have our backs and we asked them to hold us accountable and that's a big missing piece in plant spirit medicine work is oversight you know yes and in traditional culture you have oversight cuz the elders are watching you. you you know very relational communities if you act like a jerk you know it's going to come back very quickly it's not so much like that in our culture and a lot of Westerners have this, you know, these rose-colored glasses that, oh, you're, you're somebody who offers plant medicine. You must be enlightened. And that's not the case at all. Not in any way. <laughs> well, it, you know? it's a process, right? I mean, enlightenment is a process <laughs> yeah. of, over time. And I'm, re- I'm really happy to hear you share this because in just in the research that I've that I've done, you know, reading over the past, you know, couple of weeks or just seeing over the past few years, different healers, like it seems that some people are just jumping into this or they're co they're co-opting it. They're seeing that there's, there's been results and then they're kind of throwing people together for these experiences. And I'm thinking, you know, you're you're telling me that you've had years like since 2008 first in apprenticeship yeah, 2006 2006 right. so, so what yeah. if, you know over 15 15 years over 15 years of of being immersed being taught being mentored in this work and so i am seeing a lot of people like jumping in because they're excited about it they're seeing that you know there's great healing that can take place which which is amazing but i i like what you're describing in your training that you know, this, this isn't just something that you can jump right into as far as teaching and leading other people. And so for people that are thinking about doing this, like you mentioned the beginning of the conversation, you know, discernment, you really have to be careful because things, things could go wrong. You know, the light, light in the dark, right? Something unexpected could happen. Yeah. And you know, the consequences within any therapeutic space or, a space or a spiritual community where there's there's any sort of inherent power dynamics, we have to be very cautious. And then w- there's that, which we're seeing so many examples in the last 20 years of the guru, the Rinpoche, you know, the, the, the yoga leader. I mean, we could just name all the different people who have been in that elevated status you know, and then misuse their power in in pretty horrific ways. Now, that is all too common within the plant spirit medicine communities, especially where the West or say, you know, non-traditional people are coming and interfacing in traditional communities. There are so many challenges. So that's one piece. And then the piece that I feel is, is even more sobering, you know, ironically sobering. And and honestly, for me, this was one of the places that I just didn't know how to proceed is that if we bring in an entheogen or a psychedelic, then that client is exponentially more suggestible. You know, when we work with somebody in a psychoactive space, we're basically opening ourselves up to being in the most highly suggestible place that that will ever be. And so this is where, you know, really, really choosing your practitioners, getting as much background information, making sure they're willing to have an in-depth conversation with you, 
Um, and then I feel like, you know, really seeing, like checking them out before jumping right into ceremony, ideally, because, um, you know, we have seen incredible healing. I mean, I've seen spontaneous remissions before my eyes. We've had people who've come and they've been able to tap into that inner healer, you know, and, and, and really repair not just trauma, but physical disease in a exponential way. However, I've also seen how that same level of openness when, you know, not held with the level of discriminative wisdom and compassion that, you know, really we would, we would want for any, like we'd want our, our vulnerability to be held sacred by whoever we're working with. And not everybody is that mature. Right. You know, They're there's just other not. things going on. And so, you know, I tend to do a lot of background research if I'm going to work with anyone. And then when people come to work with us, I've learned over the years to do my very best to be as explicit as possible. This is what we're for. This is what I'll never do. Here's 20 different people if you'd like to talk to them to get personal references. You know, and some of them are MDs, some of them are nurses, others are mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers, and have that list so that, you know, each person who comes knows that they're coming to a place and people who will not become, you know, the, that won't become an intermediary between, you know, our, like their own healing and and that I would say that divine spirit, we could say that's a medicine or whatever that is, but for too long, there's been intermediaries. And for too long, people call themselves shamans or doctors or priests or priestesses, and actually just kind of interfere with what is a universal intelligence that lives within all of us that just needs the conditions to be right for healing to take place. And now a great practitioner or facilitator will be explicit about that and then just say, hey, we're going to co-create these conditions together. And as we co-create these conditions, you're in the driver's seat and we're here to support you. And here's this incredible ancient medicine that cleanses the doors of perception. But even the plant medicine isn't the healer. The plant medicine just helps us to clear out the debris for that inner intelligence or inner healer to awaken. Right. You working in, in conjunction with that. Mm-hmm. And I and from what I'm hearing you say, it's it's interesting that you also seem to do a whole screening process of the people that are going to be participating so that they understand what they're gonna what's gonna happen. You know, they can temper their expectations, right? Maybe they're gonna think this whole big thing's gonna happen and it and it doesn't. Or, or it does, right? So it, it's interesting what you're saying that how you, you know, you're being just as discerning on the people that you're going to be working with as the participant would, like me as a consumer, you know, asking around, doing my research before I attend a, a retreat or participate in a ceremony. Um, but how do, how do you feel working with therapists and doctors and healers? I mean, are you excited to be able to teach people to use this to go out and and heal others. I mean, that's pretty incredible to spread those tentacles. Well, you know, where, where Darcy and I are focused now, and this is really, to me, the leading edge of psychedelic therapy, and then, you know, 
gosh, the earth-honoring animistic traditions, is where we take ecotherapy, ecopsychology, and these understandings of the power of entheogens, and we bring them together. Now, truly, that is what a shamanic healing ceremony is. You know, we're taking all the understandings of deep ecology, ecopsychology, ecotherapy, which, just to give it a nutshell, is that we're, we are all part of one great web of life. You know, there's one, one, you know, interbeing. Now that's really come through deep ecology in the Western world, but that's, you know, that's a foundation of shamanism. Everything is alive. Uh, you know, it's an earth honoring animistic view. And if we go far enough back in all of our lines, no matter where we come from, we come from shamanic people. Now, shamanism is the most ancient form of spiritual practice. Wherever there's earth and sky and human, there's some form of shamanic practice. So that has deep ecology, a.k.a. the shamanistic perspective. And then we have eco-psychology, which has really come out of deep ecology and eco-feminism. And it's an, an understanding that the, the deepest illusion of separation and the greatest source of unwellness in our world is believing ourselves to be separate from nature. And when we believe ourselves to be separate, then we can begin this greater, you know, ecological destruction that we're seeing. We can't do that if we can feel the heartbeat of Mother Earth. When we begin to re return, and some of us had that as a kid, like I know for me, it was these great big ancient juniper trees that I live next to, where I would climb up them and I just would feel at one. And I could always go to those trees uh, and feel better. And I know, you know, hopefully, I, I hope for all children, they have green space for that reason. So there's like eco-psychology. And then eco-therapy is bringing, you know, healing therapeutic practice back into nature. To me, when we bring eco-therapy and then the leading edge uh, understanding of the power of entheogens to create beneficial and lasting change, then we're stepping into brand new territory, which is actually very ancient territory. And that's, you know, the realm of earth honoring ceremony which is basically creating a set and setting that invites the spiritual dimension of life in a non-denominational way so that then we can not only heal in nature, but we can heal as nature because our healing and the planet's healing are actually one in the same. And the best place that Darcy and I can support people who are interested in learning about these is one, we're actually going to be doing an, a, a plant, master te teacher plant immersion in Costa Rica for um, therapists, counselors, and psychedelic leaders in the spring of 2023. And that, you know, actually having a practicum because we can't give what we don't have. So the best way to learn is by doing. And so we're going to have a learning container and practicum for people who are interested in this, this place where ecotherapy and, you know, entheogens come together or psychedelic therapy. And then there's the incredible journey of the Pachacuti Mesa tradition. And really, you know, our mentor, Don Oscar America Sada and his beautiful partner, Cindy, 
they have been able to bring forward a really powerful foundational understanding of um, cross-cultural shamanism, which as an eco-psychologist, when I found this, I was like, wow, it's all right here. And there's not, an inter- there's not an intermediary. There's no dogma. It's just an experiential learning container. And so Darcy and I have, um, you know, we're teaching 20 to 40 people. Almost everybody is already some form of healing practitioner. We're doing this at least once a year, these groups and of, of people. And to me, I, I see that as being the first step is getting that foundation of that eco-psychology, that earth-honoring shamanism or earth-honoring animistic medicine way. And then once there's a foundation there, beginning to you know, have some guided mentorship, which Darcy and I also offer to people in developing tools to begin to be in service. What's hard for people, though, is that the path that we're offering, you know, is it's it's a it's an endless path of learning. While there are psychedelic therapy trainings where in, you know, one week you can have three big experiences and then boom, bring it into your practice. You know, but we've we've been seeing a lot of harm happen. It's not all bad, but we've been getting, you know, it's like, but there's not that embodied understanding that is an inherent aspect of the shamanic oversight and this, you know, kind of more traditional way of learning. So we're doing our best to find that middle way and to do so in a way that's culturally sensitive with deep reverence and honor. And that's cross-cultural enough that we don't get stuck in the shadow of any one culture, but we can be in the reverence of all cultures. I hope that makes sense. It does. It's exciting what you're doing to, you know, bring some of these psychiatrists and therapists and people that I think really have, most of them, you know, have good intentions that they want to help and heal people, getting them out of the office, you know, and and into nature and into that healing space and, and combining, you know, combining the two and teaching them how to, how to use these plant medicines in the best way for the best results. And I'm just thinking, you know, if we could fast forward and, and see how much progress we could make, you know, like in 25 years, if it'll, if it's possible to bring people closer together, because it seems like we're so, we're so separate right now. You know, you're talking about the web of interconnectedness, and this is just one way to help heal and bring us together and also heal the earth. Because if we don't take care of this planet, we're in big trouble. And, and we know we're already in big trouble right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that things can change. And I hope you could share like, you know, what was just a real profound experience that you had or a healing? Well, you mentioned your own, your own healing, but one that you witnessed that was just really incredible. Oh, yeah. Wow. There's, there's, you know, blessedly, there's been so many, um, and I'm so grateful. That's actually what calls me forward is just to be able to be in that space when people are transforming because it's, you know, it's almost like every cell in my body lights up. It's so beautiful. But one that just came immediately as you asked that question um, was an elder who came to work with us. And um, this was when we were co-facilitating with um, a council of 
there was about six of us and I'm always been the youngest in all of these, uh, you know, came, came young to all of this because that's just what my body guided me to. And we were um, in this council and in this healing ceremony. And one of the participants, he'd lived in an, an incredible life, but with, with so much hardship. His son had passed suddenly in a car accident and he was at stage three of stage four cancer. Like he was, he was so close. Now there's very specific, you know, when we do have somebody who's on pharmaceuticals, we go through an entire intake process with everybody. So we knew that he was good to come. We also checked in with our friend who's a doctor and just made sure. And when he was in the ceremony, you know, it kept like he kept looking like he was he was leaving his body. And it was the only time I was like, wait a second. <laughs> nobody's allowed to die at the ceremony. That's like the one rule of ceremony. Like nobody's you know, nobody's allowed to transition here. But he kept coming back. And then at one point, an elder of ours was working with him and everybody, the whole place, the whole space got incredibly quiet and this brilliant light started to pour down. And his, like the spirit of his son, like, and even talking about it, I have goosebumps, came in and met him and he had the experience of it. And the whole circle also had an experience and it wasn't like, oh, everybody, now we're going to invite his son. That would be incredibly insensitive because he was, you know, he was in um, such sorrow at his loss. And in that moment and in what happened in that communion, you know, this beautiful man, um, went into remission. And for the next five years, he went through the most intense healing journey for his life. And while he did get better and the cancer did go away, it did eventually come back. But what he taught me was that healing isn't about always getting better. But as he passed into the next life, his heart was truly healed. And to see someone go from being so shattered by life, which we all encounter tragedy, you know, we're not going to get through this earthwalk <laughs> without some tragedy, death and, and illness happen. And healing transcends both. You know, for me, healing was about getting my body coming into a whole new harmonic. But for others, it's actually about you know, their hearts returning to wholeness. And so he healed so that he could step into the great beyond, you know, with a smile on his lips. And he also then in those last five years was connected to another um, now dear sister, a, a woman who came to works in ceremony with us. And her parents had both died very suddenly. And the two of them came into each other's life and this incredible transmission of life and love and wisdom happened between them. He had all these gifts that nobody had had seen or even had the consciousness to learn. And he taught to her, you know, about 30 years of rebirthing and breath work that helped her heal, but also more importantly, that she's now sharing in the world. And so there was this great healing that happened on all these different levels. And he did end up becoming an ancestor, bless his heart. His name was Hal. And 
Um, but in his life and then in his death, medicine transformed the community. And now his legacy is one not just of sorrow, which if he would have passed when he first came to us, it would have been, but his legacy is one of love. And I can't imagine a greater you know, transformation to take place than that. That's so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that story, um, how he was able to overcome, you know, really his fear of death, which I know this is being used in a lot of cases for. And I want to thank you so much for spending time with me. And people can find out more about your work at StarRiverSanctuary.com and be a part of one of these amazing healing retreats and ceremonies. And I I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, Thank you so much, Diane. It was such a pleasure. And I just wish you all the blessings in the world going forward with your unique medicine, which is helping to bring the wisdom to the people. Thank you. I'm Liz Winter and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Mediumship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.